we are. Oh, cool. Therapist. Is that a therapist is a good one? Revoke. I mean, therapist is great. Workout. Twin. I've been trying to be my own therapist my whole life, so yeah. uh, it's worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Everyone's like, you should see a therapist. I'm like, I talk to my mom like few times a week right yeah i mean i uh, yeah if you uh, let's go with that since you had something to say about it i actually made it, i made it my new year's resolution last year to seek therapy and i did not oh. so i feel 2019 oh, you know i made it a <laughs> i made it a goal of myself to to seek therapy i did not do it last year but maybe this year we'll see what happens so you're talking about making a resolution in december of 2020 Yes. Okay. (laughs) So 2020 is the year that hopefully I get some therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Therapy. I don't know. It's, it, it's interesting because, well, like to to introduce myself, I'm Matthew and uh, I'm sitting with my best friend Garrett here. Yes. We're we're sharing mics today because I forgot my splitter. Yeah. But it's, (laughs) it's really fun. Um, the, the thing is, is like Garrett has always been fascinated with therapy and he's going to school for so many different things, you know, poli science, therapy, to be a lawyer. But he really is like my therapist. He always oh, gives okay. me really good um, advice. It's not even advice. Okay. He helps me draw my own conclusion. Okay. And cool. that's how I know it's good therapy yeah. because it challenges me to be my highest self. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've learned that in my past relationships with women, it's actually <laughs> it can actually be very negative because they don't always like the conclusion that they lead themselves to. Oh no! <laughs> actually, all along they were looking for advice. <laughs> but you know, outside of that, it's a really great uh, trait to have as a as a person that I learned. Right. So, where, tell me more about this. You were involved in learning about. Are you like uh, majoring in yeah, psychology well, or something? Yeah, I'm in uh, psychology, right. so I've taken um, a few counseling courses. Right. How long um, have you been doing that for? I have been doing that degree for two years. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, I almost finished poli-sci back in the day because I wanted to originally go to law school. Right. But it was way too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pulled out of that one. Then went into a psych program. But now that I'm finishing my psych program, I think I want to go back into law. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I kind of jump around and do a lot of different things. For sure. So, so you <laughs> tell me more about this this situation that you have with you said with women. Sometimes you <laughs> deal with this thing where you're kind of uh, lead them into making the conclusion that what that this relationship isn't working or what is this? Yeah, no. Sometimes, sometimes it is it has been like that. Um, Sometimes it leads into the <laughs> to the conclusion that they were wrong all along. And right. I, I was oh, right. okay. Yeah. Well, that's nice. That must feel good on your part. Yeah. And then but I then they get upset that you're correct. Yeah. And then I think also sometimes they realize they, <laughs> they don't like who they are. Oh, <laughs> like very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is fascinating. <laughs> I've only had like four serious girlfriends. I mean, I mean that's not bad. No, I just mean the sense that it's not going to be hard to deduce who. <laughs> oh, who no, are you talking Matt. about in this situation? Well, here I am th- saying Garrett's my therapist, and now I realize why I, I don't like who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, quite the contrary with uh, Garrett's. Uh, therapy with me yeah it it actually leads me to (laughs) normally uh have a little more confidence in my decision Mm -hmm. and then also 
the biggest thing is like to not take it so personally okay. and not really like I'm normally stressing out about something mm-hmm. that is just not valid, has no place in like the world. Right. Like I could literally assume something for two days just to have that person to tell me that it's carrot cake. Mm-hmm. And the whole time I'm thinking it's a brownie. <laughs> Okay, I understand that a little bit. That was such an interesting way to put it, and it makes so much sense. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> I guess before we continue, I'm sitting here with you. Uh, I'm sitting in, uh, in uh, would you, Matthew, Matt, what do you go by? Uh, yeah, Matthew. Matthew, we're, we're sitting in your, your place right now drinking tea and eating donuts. Uh, this is my first time <laughs> hanging out with you guys. I met you guys through an open mic. Right, we were at mm-hmm. e- e- yep. Eve's together recently, and you guys do uh, music together. Yeah, me and Matt actually <laughs> just started a rap group. Nice. <laughs> you could call it that. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> cool. Yeah. Tell me more about that. What is it all about? Matt, why don't you take it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think it's an experience right now because um, we we don't really know if we're supposed to speak on behalf of our rap group because it's a conscious collective. Okay. So we'd have to get everyone's vote to see if, what if we wanted to <laughs> speak on their behalf. Okay. You well, can like, see why this process has been a little difficult. Okay. I understand. But on the side note. But is uh, this like the thing that you guys are trying to do creatively right now? Is this like your, your main focus for? Yeah. Like um, if somebody scrolled through my Instagram, they'd see like I'm putting out music again. Mm-hmm. I stopped playing music after... Um, you know, I first was in a pop punk band. Mm-hmm. We had some pretty cool success. We got to play some really big shows, open up for some people that I idolized back right. in the day. Um, I then got into, um, you know, snowboard instructing, which somehow led me to Los Angeles, where I worked for an EDM record label called Mad Decent. And I then started mixing like EDM, but not even just EDM, just anything when it came to producing on Logic. Mm -hmm. I play guitar, so I incorporate that with a lot of drum and bass and stuff like that. Now the stuff that we're making is a lot of sample drum tracks with, um, we're doing live instrumentation with this group. Um, But on the side, like I'm still just trying to meet up with producers, grab a song, put some rap lyrics over it. Me and Garrett worked on um, this afternoon our first rap song that would be a duet. Right. And we found it to be very easy to flow with just two people going back and forth with the lyrics. Gotcha. uh, Yeah. That'll be probably coming out in like the next like few weeks. And we always release these with videos, Uh um, which kind of brings us to like thinking that we should start our own mini record label that we're going to call Oceanside Records. And I'm going to handle the producing side. Garrett's going to handle the, uh, like the legality side, right? Like making sure that we're not stepping on people's toes and like that they feel comfortable with the terms and agreements of like putting (laughs) their video on Instagram. Right. Sometimes that stuff can be really interesting because people have, um, I think it's normally it's like expectations of Mm themselves and then they don't, always have the uh, the confidence, especially to get up there on the mic and they're a little bit nervous. So we want to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. We want to make them feel like they're um, 
validated as a musician right. and kind of instill that first confidence in those musicians to record and to release music if that's something that they're interested in doing. Right. And, and is there that. a bit of an expectation from the people that you guys are working with to help kind of like push and promote the product as well? Or do you guys decide to just let that fall on your shoulders? Um, I think for right now, we're we're interested in individuals that are at any level. Mm-hmm. So I don't care if you have like five followers, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's your first time. If I think, um, if you think that you have the potential to be a musician, I want to at least give you a couple hours, um, bring you in, see yeah. what we can do, see what we can mix, just to kind of get that first, because um, I remember what it was like being young, going in my first studio, mm-hmm. and how nervous and excited I was, but it really evolved me into a musician once I started putting the um, the physicalities behind it that really actually make you feel like, I am a musician. I have a song. Right. I can show my parents. Right. So even if it's just that, but we're definitely also working with some people that have some followings and some people that we really, uh, you know, back up. They back up us. And yeah. Together, it's a collaboration. Nice. What about so? You, how did you get into this whole thing? Um, it kind of just like kind of grew or- organically over the past few months. Uh, me and Matt linked up with uh, this one guy. We met him through a coffee shop, and we started hanging out, doing, like, some art stuff. And then me and him made uh, a couple songs together just kind of for fun. And then some people that he knew w- kind of jumped on some songs, and then we all got kind of together, and then we were, like, just kind of started making them, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so kind of just kind of just grew out of a bunch of people wanting to be creative and mm-hmm. kind of wanting to be creative together and... Seeing what comes out. Creatively, is this kind of like your first venture? Or have you been working on other stuff like leading up to this rap group? Um, no, I've never. The song that we put out on YouTube yeah. as a group was the first thing musically I think I ever put out. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was the first one. Um, I've been writing for a long time, mm-hmm. um, so that's always been my creative thing. Um, I've done some spoken word like visual stuff with a friend in the past, okay. um, like little one-minute shorts on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that was the first thing musically I really ever kind of did and took seriously. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, leading back into like the topic that we were talking about before, as far as like therapy and stuff like that, I think it's interesting for like performers. Sometimes you mentioned like having anxiety and stuff like that earlier. I think, you know, I've been doing stand up for like six years now and I think people would be surprised. Like I'm still like, anytime I go to a show, I'm I'm like ready to walk out. Like I'm like I'm not gonna fu- I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go up tonight. Like I can't do this. Do you guys have like that kind of insecurity about like putting out stuff or recording with other people or working with talented people? You're like fuck. I'm not as good as this person. Does that kind of stuff seep into you? Like I'm slowly starting to realize and identify my anxiety. Yeah. So before I would tell you no, I get on stage <laughs> and I feel comfortable. Yeah. But there's. 5,000 words going through my head, which uh, is creating head sweats. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking pretty anxious to the normal human being. Um, I can withstand a lot of those nerves, and I'm, I'm normally able to channel um, myself to bring myself to perform if I think I'm going to perform. I also know those times that it could put me at risk if I do perform. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I can use my artistry as 
therapy, mm-hmm. those are the best performances. Right. When I know I'm coming to an open mic night and I've got something to share, but I'm also there to get it off my chest, it becomes a huge therapeutical sensation because not only am I relating to myself and like my innermost being, I'm relating my message or at least I'm letting people know how I feel. And whoever can identify with that, and we're, we're slowly starting to see that because the open mic, um, the whole format of the open mic is almost based on kind of group therapy. Yeah, that's When a good you point. go back into these uh, traditions of any type of group that's a self-help group, um, I believe that we should try to instill and keep on creating those um, same kind of formalities. And I believe that some of the open mic nights here in Oceanside, North County area, all the way down to, uh, you know, the Queen Bee down in uh, San Diego. Yeah. And a lot of people are receiving. In North the, Park. Yeah, in North Park. Yeah, that's a great one. Do you ever do stand-up there? I haven't yet, no. Yeah, that that it's yeah. a good crowd. It's a supportive crowd. And you really do, they make you feel like you are a musician for that couple minutes that mm-hmm. they give you. Nice. They bring you up. There's a DJ right before you. Cool. Like, Doing an intro song. Yeah. That was your, um, one of the first places I ever saw you perform spoken word, Garrett, was at the Queen Bee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me on that end, um, uh, I never got on stage or anything because I was like horrified by it. Right. Just like the concept of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have like, I have hand tremors and I have like a voice tremor. Mm. And so, especially when I get nervous, it comes out a lot until I get into it back into a flow state. Right. Um, and so, like, when I was younger, I really liked playing sports, though, because I got the exact same type of stage fright. But as soon as I was, like, I was playing water polo, so as soon as I was in the water warming up, I could work through it with my body by moving. And that was the hardest thing to overcome when I had started writing and then finally got on stage at Queen Bees mm-hmm. was, like, there's you don't have that. It's a different kind of warm-up you have to take yourself through that I had to learn how to get through. Um, and getting up the first few times was really hard, but it always felt really good when I was done. And Queen Bee is like Matt said, is a really, um, supportive crowd. Right. And so throughout it, you know, they're like the parts of like a poem that they, that would touch them. The crowd would respond. Oh yes. Um, which was really uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, when I left, you know, being complimented and being asked about it after and stuff, it kind of. It was like the first bite into it where I was like, oh, okay, I kind of, for me, I'm getting this process now and mm-hmm. I kind of like this. Um, and it's, that's actually funny because I'm uh, getting my solo skydiving license right now. And I only bring that up because after my first couple jumps, like dealing with the sensory overload and jumping out of a plane, I thought for sure that like going back on stage would be no problem anymore. Yeah. And it is not the case at all. <laughs> They're unrelated. It's not. It's like the craziest thing. Yeah. Because like, like you know, after like a like a first few times of doing that, like going to the place, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be such a breeze. Yeah. Like, there's no problems with this. I'm just going up and talking. And then as soon as I get there, it's like the same nerves, like yeah. the same little shakes, and then. Um, but well, I guess yeah, just trusting I think, the process. Yeah, you know? one thing I think is like adrenaline, but I think something about performance feels like you're failing at life mm-hmm. by not doing good at it sometimes. Yeah. So I think that can be the difficult part about performing yeah. sometimes. So how, how do you think you guys have like overcome that aspect of like being comfortable enough that you don't feel like you're failing at the thing that you're doing? Mine comes from therapy. Okay. From, yeah, I've been, I've been seeing a therapist for years. Oh, great. Um, this is really reinforcing what I need to do this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one this one guy I've been going to for probably 
three and a half, four years now. Yeah. Um, that was one of like the first things we started working through. And he, he gave me different exercises to do. Yeah. Um, that weren't crazy. Like one of them was just, I, he's like, you're going to go to a restaurant, a crowded restaurant by yourself. You're going to get a table for one and you're going to sit there and you're going to calm yourself down in that entire crowd Ooh. without having to order anything, without having to do anything just on your own. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of built from there to the point where I was like, oh, I just I was learning how to find my center wherever I was. You mm. know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Was there any other exercises like that that they, he told you about? Um, different forms of meditation. Yeah. Um, like different like like uh, body awareness ones. I forget what the name of it is. Um, a lot of it's, I mean, all meditation is around breath. But this one is uh, kind of identifying where it is in your body mm-hmm. and letting it come out. So, like, a lot of times, like, when I would fight the anxiety is that it would make it ten times worse mm. versus if I let it just actually get excited and then do its course and let it happen and just trust it, it would just kind of go away on its own. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, intense. <laughs> like, today, just an interesting tidbit about um, meditation and the therapeutical side of it. Today, um, I was experiencing, like, a lot of different stimulation. Um, I teach a, a surf lesson this morning. Um, and that instantly puts me in this, uh, teacher role. Mm-hmm. And then I came back, I th- showed some of the members of our collaborative, the song. And then I started writing a song with Garrett and I was like, Oh man, like we gotta go watch the sunset. I'm feeling pretty anxious about some stuff in my life. And it wasn't until I actually took the time to do a 30-minute YouTube chakra balancing meditation, which was, I'd say about, um, it was probably around 7 o'clock that I started that. And I came out of my sedative state, like, at 8.30, and I was like, oh, no, did I miss David? Like, did he already come and leave? (laughs) Because I had no clue what time it was. But I woke up empowered, and I had released a lot of that anxiety i wouldn't say it all goes away i think uh it's practice not perfection but um feeling like i took the time to check in with my body and my mental state put me in so much more ease that i'm like oh yeah i should make some hot water and some tea right now because i'm feeling like a little bit you know in a it's a good vibe yeah for the therapy thing throwing some tea in there i feel like it all (laughs) goes full circle (laughs) yeah 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 maybe this could be just a a bunch of comfort comfort things yeah i i think that tea is a staple in people meeting up at night now um where me and garrett both come from uh, a background of heavy drinking Mm. and in a place where we have removed that Mm -hmm. aspect of our life uh tea and just communication between friends at night yeah. is so much more validating mm-hmm. than the intoxicated mm-hmm. conversations that used to drive me into right. 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Right. sleep patterns that were followed by, I don't even know if I was sleeping. I think my body was just trying to digest all the alcohol. So, like, okay. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I think you don't sleep well when you're drunk. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say that... <laughs> A, a therapist would have told me that a little sooner, but I had to. Where were you, you at? <laughs> <laughs> he was right there beside me toasting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome because I feel like this is, I like this vibe a lot because I've been talking, I was talking to some friends recently. I, I hang out with like a lot of women because I feel like there's like a guy culture that's very abrasive. 
that is very uncomfortable to be hanging around. I like this, us sitting here drinking tea, having a nice conversation about therapy is much more enjoyable than like guys screaming at the TV about a sport or, you know, like I, I, I was at a jujitsu class um, um, at this place for a little while and the there was like a very broy culture, like where, you know, guys are, you know, they, they're playful by being aggressive with each other. I had a guy smack me on the ass, that kind of thing that I'm not used to <laughs> yeah. being around. Cause I, I didn't play sports growing up. I was like a drama nerd. Like I'm not. Yeah. Water polo. We didn't smack each other's asses. <laughs> I can promise you that one. <laughs> I, but I heard of football players who do that kind of stuff all the time. And that's the kind of thing where I'm just like, Oh man, I feel extremely out of place right now. Yeah. Do you, guys, do you guys get that sensation at all with like trying to to navigate this world where you you're in these circles sometimes where people are obviously not the the, the kind of people that you are? Yeah. No, it's actually it's funny you bring that up. Me and a, a few buddies were uh, we were talking last night. Part of that group were with like kind of the the overall collective. They they started a women's circle where the women can get together and do uh, talk about their things. Oh, cool. And they were talking about starting one for the men's, so we're actually going to start one called the Men's Oval. Oh. Yeah, we're going to sit in an oval, not in a circle. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but the idea is to get together and be able to openly talk about basically everything that goes on with manhood, mm-hmm. but not just in the, like, the classic American sense, right. but also in like touching on to like, a feminine side with mm-hmm. it too and kind of... Being able to express ourselves openly without without judgment. Oh, that's but, you awesome! Know, just circled or ovaled around men. Yeah, that's super awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you guys see the movie Moonlight? No, no, did I see that? no. That was a British movie, right? No, it was American. It was uh, it got uh, one Best Picture like two years oh, ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's like it, it, go, it follows the stages of this young black boy from when he's like a uh, like an elementary school, high school, and then as an adult, and he's um, he like is. F- figuring out that he's gay and he's living in like a poor neighborhood where there's a lot of homophobia and stuff like that. And so he kind of has to like internalize all that and grow up and make himself really hard. He becomes like a, like a gangbanger and a drug dealer because he's like always trying to like put out up a front that, that he's like this tough guy. And I, that got me so much. I felt like so much of that. Yeah. Like I got into all these fights when I was in middle school because everybody was always pushing me around. And finally, I was like, "Fuck! Well, what do I got to do? I got to start acting like I'm tougher, or whatever. I have to start doing. I started like breaking the rules and being bad just so that I could be seen as like not a pushover amongst my male peers. It's like, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, that that movie uh, shook me and it rattled me to my core. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I I love that movie. I remember it won, it sweeped a lot of uh, the Academy Awards that yeah. year. And it was so realistic because we don't get that type of re- re- just reality in film these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know about these days because there's so much good content actually out there. Right. You just have to look for it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you can just, fill your brain with but um on that subject uh that you were just talking about in high school i did kind of the opposite so like when i first got into high school i was like the water polo jock i was in the band i was like trying to be this um kind of image of myself and i study i uh, i struggled so much with identity issues and one of the funniest things is is that when i decided that i was going to embrace my theater side and when I joined theater 
I joined theater in a way that was so abrasive that it was almost like <laughs> I was like the whiz in the wi- in the Wizard of Oz in this tight green jumpsuit mm-hmm. and you could practically see my private parts <laughs> through it and I was dancing and shaking everything because it was the side of me that I had never gotten to show mm, and okay. I wanted everyone to see it before I lost that um Kind of like that. What, what, that space. What, that space. To be able to express yourself. In yeah, that and way. I knew that after high school, it wasn't going to be as easy to jump on stage and do these fun things. Yeah. So I'm so grateful to uh, you know my theater teacher yeah. Sharon Strong for letting me be a part of the theater world, and I ended up you know doing a hundred hours in the theater by the end of it. Gotcha. It was great. I mean, I was in drama in high school too, but I did not have that experience at all. I felt like I was always very. In, uh, enclosed in myself until it was like, oh, if there's if we're gonna do a monologue or something, that's where I would kind of be able to express myself a little bit more. But I was always always had a tough time being like expressive or weird until more recently when I started doing improv. That was like that was very therapeutic for me. Improv was very yeah. therapeutic. The whole philosophy of it is uh, yes and, and so like anything that somebody gives you, you just accept it and like add on to it. So yeah. I feel like that philosophy has really like helped me break out of my shell a lot more in recent years because when I was in high school, I did not, despite all the stuff, I always try to do creative stuff, but I could not be just weird or silly or anything like that. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. on, on this topic of like finding your people and stuff like that, as, as you guys have been in the open mics, do you feel like for the most part has been like a pretty easygoing experience that you guys have been able to interact with people pretty well and make friends and all that stuff? Or do you feel like it's still a challenge when you walk into those spaces sometimes? Um, I, I believe it's always a challenge, uh, walking into an open mic night. Now the reassurance of seeing friendly faces and that just matters how many times you go. Um, a lot of people would say it's clicky, but I think that a lot of that is just breaking that click and opening yourself up to a group of people. Mm -hmm. And I find that spaces, um, such as like Eve and Encinitas, um, I, I believe that the people that are showing up um, should be just as grateful for themselves as they are for the location because mm-hmm. we are bringing that uh, encouraging, positive force. And I'm just seeing that every time I go there, that people are more inspired. So, yeah, I'd say, like, now when I walk into an open mic night, I normally know a couple people to like kind of vibe off of or at least say hello to so that has really become my people and the people that are trying to challenge themselves in in betterment for not just their um bodies but for their their soul you know and i think that's a really big word when you when i just threw it out there yeah but uh, yeah but like if you want to really get in touch with you then I think it's a great place to let people know how you're doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, that's a, it's actually interesting as I kind of thought about it. Um, like on my end, I grew up surfing and skating. And so I learned pretty quickly that like when you walk into like a different culture, that you have to kind of learn the way it goes first mm-hmm. or else you, I mean, and, some localities you can get ousted, but not really in an open mic sense. But um, growing up with that same kind of concept, when I walk into a new open mic, especially if I don't know anybody, I it's not that I have a hard time getting to know people. It's that I'm trying to, like, observe what's happening first. So that way I don't step 
in the wrong way anyway. Right. That makes sense. So I could, uh, like connect and be part of their flow instead of just trying to always create my own type thing. Um, but once I'm at an open mic, I find it really easy once people get up there and start sharing. And if I get up there and start sharing as the night progresses, maybe if there's a break or something to talk to people, because I can piggyback off of what they spoke on mm-hmm. and, you know, connect with them on how their piece connected with me. Right. And then I also noticed too, that um, like when I got up there and I started really just speaking from my heart and writing things that I wanted to say because I believed in them and that they're real mm-hmm. is that I started connecting with a lot more people and a lot more people were touched by what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that made it easier to uh, make that kind of connection. Cause like, you know, if someone comes up after me that I've never met before in my life and they're like, Hey, I, I really like what you have to say up there. Reminding me of this, this or whatever. Then the next time I see that person where it ever it is, like I, immediately know mm-hmm. where where and how we connected mm. you know versus if it's kind of a random person i meet somewhere and we don't you know we meet in a group or something right. it's like oh i think i know you from that one time right right you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah i like what you're saying about the whole like coming into a new place and learning the culture because i did comedy open mics for so long and there was a very much of of that kind of thing where you don't come in and you start you know asserting like you know things and talking yeah. to the people it's like you know get funny first and then people will want to talk yeah. to you. <laughs> so there's very much like a, it's a, and I, I almost feel like I've, that's kind of what's held me back going to some of the open mics like Eve's where I'm like, well, these people don't know I'm, f- I'm good yet. So well, I, I'm not going to talk to them or I'm not gonna, you know, there's like almost like a, I have to make sure that they know I'm good before I try to be friends with anybody in this group, which I don't know if that's may- maybe an unhealthy way to look at things. I know stand up did teach me a lot of bad habits, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost like, oh, fuck, well, I can't talk to anybody here because they don't know I'm funny. They don't know I'm, if I have any skill or whatever. So it's just going to be like, I'm just going to ignore everybody. And that's almost weird because then I feel like that comes off weird, too, when you're just like the guy that's just sitting in the corner ignoring everybody. And not interacting with anybody. I feel like, I don't know. Sometimes it'll make you look elusive, though. And then you look really cool. <laughs> I don't think that works for me. No, it only I mean, works in the movies like It that. only I, works in the movies. I, I don't tried think being the quiet guy at the bar and girls don't come talk to no, you. No, I think people like... talk to them. Like, I think I don't people know. like outgoing people, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's at least has been the, the situation for me. Or maybe I just don't know. <laughs> this could all just be... Me struggling with my own insecurities and you know thoughts. who would be great to talk to about that is a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I completely identify with you, David. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, thank you for your lead, David. And, uh, I I really uh, I see that person because I struggled with that same part of community and when I was in my lowest lows and I stayed in my house all day and then I worked up the courage to go to an open mic night and I had something prepared I watched all the talented people and I said I'm not as talented as them yeah I'm not gonna be like good enough for these people they don't know me and Mm. I I more caved into those just self-doubts and It wasn't until I had the realization that this is not that big of a deal. This whole life, it is ridiculous. It's true. You can really 
um, F it up really easily <laughs> by being an asshole. Yeah. And that is the biggest, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss. Are yes. we allowed to cuss? Okay. Encouraged. Yeah. Okay. Encouraged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, fucking shit. Like seriously, it's like <laughs> if you, if you take yourself that seriously, mm-hmm. then you won't have the opportunity to make that connection. And I think what Garrett was saying is so it it is so true that mm-hmm. if you get up and perform, you've already got something to talk about. Everyone who was touched by your song might not come up to you and say, "Hey, you you did such a great job that really spoke to me." But you they do know your face now, mm-hmm. and so they will like welcome you with right. the, a smile. And uh, if they don't, well, then you know they're just struggling with their own <laughs> shit. Don't take it personally. Move forward. Yeah. Find the next open mic where you know some cooler cats are hanging out, and mm-hmm. you can vibe with them a little better. Maybe. Don't chalk off anything when it comes to open mic nights or any event that that's the way it always is. Right. Because I've gone to meditation meetings, to yoga um, practicing, and all this stuff changes every single time with Mm -hmm. the amount of energy that normally the leader is bringing or the host, but it it ebb and flows. So just try to ebb and flow with it. Yeah. Just don't take it so dang personally. Definitely. I mean, I kind of feel like that takes me, you're, you're talking about like getting preoccupied with this thing about carrot cake when it should be a brownie or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, what the things that we worry about that matter or don't matter. I, yeah, I remember I used to get super stressed out about like that. Like I told you guys, there's so many times where I go to a show and I'm just like, I'm not, I fuck this. Like I'm not going to perform right now. And I used to go to these mics with my friend, Jimmy and he would slap me in the face <laughs> when I would act like that. Yeah. <laughs> like literally like, slapped you in he the would face. Slap me in the face. Jimmy, that's not very <laughs> constructive. <laughs> what, would, what would a therapist say about He'd probably that? say that though. I mean, the, they'd probably say that wasn't the best method, but I guess as much as I disapprove of his methods, I it does make me think about that whole thing. It's like why are why are we worrying about this? Why am I worried that if I, if these two drunk people at a bar are gonna think I'm funny or not? That's yeah. Ironically, it's very funny that uh, we all face self doubt, and once we start recognizing that self doubt is not the opposite of ego, it's still a part of our ego. Mm-hmm. Um, that self-pity and us saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. It stems from that same um, energy of saying, I'm too good for this. When we just recognize that we are some weird ass soul consciousness put in some sort of physical body and nobody understands the answers, I just have a, a field day sometimes because you will have these interactions with people who are at such um, places in their life where they really are uncomfortable with who they really are. But all it takes is a little bit of validation. So I think that I receive that validation from myself first. Mm -hmm. And that's what my main practice and coming back on the therapeutical topic, if I could just stay that way and I could just stay there, I wouldn't have any need for a therapist. But the reason why I do um, seek out therapy is for that direct reason is so that I can continue to 
starve my ego and to find, um, you know, the deeper consciousness inside my heart. <laughs> I think I think this is related to the topic too. Like the song that me and Matt are working on right now is kind of about the idea of like, why does everything matter so much? Because we're all just being trying to be creative, right? And like you shouldn't you shouldn't put down creativity. You mm-hmm. know, if someone's putting themselves out there, it should be celebrated. Now, like if you're someone that can like elicit advice because that's you're somebody that that person trusted who mm-hmm. put it out there and they're seeking it, um, then it should definitely be constructive. Mm-hmm. There's always a way to learn. But um, Royce to five nine, uh, he's a rapper from Detroit, right? And he had this really good segment on how, like, if you, you know, if you look back at the stuff you first started doing, if you could put yourself back in time, you can remember being really stoked when you put it together and put it out there. But looking back 15 years, you go, wow, I've come a long way. And that, you know, that wasn't my best work yet. And I think I heard this interview. Yeah. like The whole (laughs) idea was that, like, you can criticize it early on or just say, like, someone's terrible early Mm -hmm. on. And, like, what's the point? Because right. if they keep going the way they're going, they're going to progress and get right. better. And that's the whole idea. That's beautiful. You know? And he talked about that, like, as a role as a parent, too. Yes. It's like, no matter what they're doing, just, like, just promote it. Just be like, yes, mm-hmm. go for it. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a couple of buddies like that with my writing and, like, with me making, like, different rap songs. Is that they just kept going. Like, just keep going. Just keep mm-hmm. going. I told them I want to get on stage at some point. They're like, do it. You'll be so surprised at what you find out wow. about yourself instantly. That's awesome. You know, and like if everybody is the opposite, then nothing really ever gets creative and then life's really boring. Yeah, definitely. You know? <laughs> All right. What do you think about another word? I'm, I'm yeah. down for another word. Can I, can I just ad lib really quick off of one thing too um, before we discover another uh, word? Uh, I had a friend who uh, developed this great humanitarian project down in Mexico, and it was called Nativo, and basically he was driving around and giving art therapy to children. Whoa. And because he um, had kind of got into this flux that him and his partner were the ones that were driving it, and he didn't have the encouragement of the people around him, it really um, was starting to, like, mess with him, I could tell. Like, he wasn't, he was losing the focus, and because he didn't have that encouragement. And it was so cool because the the divinity of our paths put us in um, line with the people we're supposed to meet. And when we met, I was also really questioning myself when it came to not just my music, but the way people perceived me. He, by instilling confidence in me to trust myself, I was able to also kind of feed back to him and instill some confidence for him to like keep, um, you know, continuing the project that he had that was helping so many of these uh, children down in Tijuana that are in such need. And, uh, you know, now he's on Facebook, uh, back advertising. People are seeing it. We started a GoFundMe page for him on Nativo. And that has been just like providing the reassurance that anyone who's doing a project kind of needs. So don't don't forget that like the people that seem like they've really got this cool thing going, they still love encouragement. Mm-hmm. And that's um, a fundamental of what you can give back if you're feeling good. Mm-hmm. If you're already like on top, I think it's time for you to start encouraging the ones that you want to bring mm-hmm. on top with you. So gotcha. 
That'll end out the therapy section of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> once again, we're promoting Oceanside Records and the Nativo Group down in Tijuana. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I like that. This is honestly, even though we're supposed to be moving on, uh, very therapeutic for me to hear other people talk about their insecurities and stuff like that, especially talking about how, like, I came into this mic. I just saw other people that I'm like, man, I fucking suck. <laughs> but now I'm over here talking to you guys about dealing with similar stuff, so that's awesome. Hell yeah. And I I don't know if were we yeah fuck yeah <laughs> I don't know if we were talking on the mics before when we were saying that when we first saw David perform he told us you know it wasn't his best performance and he and the next time we saw you come back we were just uh, me and Garrett were sitting in the back together crying <laughs> because it was so funny and and anyone that wasn't laughing we honestly were <laughs> we felt bad for them because they took themselves too seriously yeah. because they weren't on your vibe so you're out there bringing a completely different dynamic right uh, you're the only one doing it at at the times I've seen you do it yeah. to have the confidence and to have that base that that takes more confidence than any of those musicians who have been playing their whole life, and you're you're bringing something to the table that's very unique and uh, provides me with a lot of therapy because <laughs> I was cracking the fuck up. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. All right, so our next word is power. Whoa, quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite of therapy, almost, or maybe not. I mean, depending on how you want to look at that. Does therapy provide power? <laughs> I mean, it might boot, boost uh, self-confidence and self-esteem, but I'd say like a power complex by a therapist could probably be pretty damaging. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that would hinder a therapeutic relationship. Right. Um, power mm. is interesting because... You can't really have anarchy because mm -hmm. if two anarchists are in a room in agreement, there's no longer anarchy because mm -hmm. it's a collective body. Um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a dynamic that every layer of society and culture struggles with, um, from like a family power dynamic, um, even an individual in a relationship. Um, going back to like having to shed ego and allowing somebody else to step in where their strengths um, or, you know, are more significant in a relationship um, all the way up to what, how power can be abused, how it can take somebody who has like pure intentions and even a pure heart that power unconstrained all of a sudden can turn them into almost an evil person at times. Yeah, that's true. Um, because they become addicted to it and feed off of it. Um, in any sense they can get. Yeah. Um, all right, that was pretty light. Your turn, Matt? <laughs> I think that to recognize your power is to recognize yourself. And that power can stem from some places that are going to cause you a lot of harm or they can stem from places that are going to cause you a lot of good. Um, I think when I identify, like, so for instance, the, with the group that we have going right now, I've realized I'm the one producing this song, and I've almost thought of it like, oh, like I should have like some sort of final say 
And that's almost me dipping into that power that brings right. me nothing but discomfort. Mm-hmm. Nothing but just anxiety that that person will hear what I say and that they will accept it. But then also reminding myself that, hey, your opinion can be validated. You just need to be able to accept other people's opinions. Like, so, man, when it comes to this struggle, it's almost like like if if you're in your power, then you're only doing good. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking that you're in your power and you want to be powerful, well, then that's quite the contrary. And we see how that works for anyone that <laughs> is trying to be that r- dictatorship, Right. I think. that That's like the one word I think of when I think of power is dictatorship. And then I also think of power when it comes to like solar plexus. Like, and solar plexus is like a great place like in your divinity where I'm going to grow and feel that enlightenment and inspire others. And this is one of my powers. So, yeah, quite quite the interesting word, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes I need to turn that switch and make sure that I'm on the right side of it. Yeah, definitely. I think I, think I can see that, like... I've, I've been going to so many mics and meeting so many different types of creative people that I think I noticed that in a scene, wherever it be like the music scene or the comedy scene, or it can be like anything, it could be fucking a rock climbing scene, whatever people start to get like into this little bubble where they feel like the person that's the best here is like, Oh man, this person's so fucking good. And they're what they have to say and what their rules are and every that's like everything. It's their whole world because they're living inside of this little bubble. Whereas you, most people outside of that don't give a fuck about who this person is. Yeah. So like this power that we've given them over our lives is, is like completely manufactured. Yeah. But it's just because we're kind of, we start to like get into like these little scenes and stuff like that where it's like, oh man, you don't know fucking Tom, he's the guy that runs that show. And so now all of a sudden it seems like that's important or relevant where in fact yeah, anybody like outside of that. Tom must favor me. Tom must show yeah. me like some sort of validation of myself. And when we look at those people uh, for any type of <laughs> any type of validation, did we're just gonna be lost, you know? We're lost sheep in that sense. The the powerful is person in the pack is the one that understands themselves. And if everybody turns left and they decide that they want to go right and they believe in turning right, then they should probably go right. And yeah. they don't need to conform to those, you know, social groups. And that that is what's so interesting about an open mic night community. Um, I also believe that this coincides with a conscious community because when we label ourselves these things, we find out, you know, it's called an open mic, but could it be a little more open? And like, if it's a conscious community, could it be a little more conscious? So that, that power struggle, the, the, the stuff that contradicts those words is always going to be there. Mm. It's always going to be just right on the outside, but, um, just trying to hold that safe space, you know? And I think that the intentions, if the intentions are set and the intentions are good, then you can always question that person and bring it up to them and right. have a, a conversation and say, Hey, Tob, like, uh, I, I, I just want to let you know, I think you're shit. And, uh, <laughs> I just want, <laughs> I just, I, I think that your blue pants should be khaki and you should wear a tighter belt. <laughs> Did you see what he put on his story the other day? <laughs> I mean, my God, he's not even a 
like going with social standards. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Fucking Tom. Yeah. Look at him now. Fall from grace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen with a five hundred million dollar sellout. <laughs> In the long run, I don't think so. Well, we've, we've been speaking a lot in very vague terms, but it would be nice to get a little bit more personal and specific. So I'm going to throw in another uh, word here. If you guys can think of like a story or something based off of any of these things, um, let me know, okay? Mm-hmm. Here's a word, vertical. Uh, when you say vertical, I think of height. And actually, we were talking about insecurities when we were younger. Yeah. Um, I was really insecure going into high school. Right. For one reason of the fact that I was super short and oh, really Oh, how tall are you now? I'm six foot now. I was oh, five nice. foot three going into high school. Lucky. I'm I was, five four. I was so. short. And it like, <laughs> I thought for sure, like I, it was such a, f- I just, I, that totally remind. I haven't thought about this in so long. Right. But I was so afraid of being short. Yeah. Like never being taller than any of the girls. Like this is, I'm living, your, I'm living your fear. Like, yeah. And like, I look like, <laughs> I looked like I was 11 going into high school. With, yeah. Like a full mouth, a brace. Like my teeth were the same size. Like, yeah. Giant fucking teeth. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up growing through high school. And then Did you have a growth spurt? Yeah, I think it was, like, around sophomore to junior year. I mm-hmm. went from, I grew a couple inches my freshman year, and then I think I hit six foot right. around junior year, maybe beginning of senior year. Right. Um, when, when is the timing year, at what age were you where you were like, fuck, I'm short and I'm going to be short forever? It was around 12, 13, and 14. 12, 13, 14. Yeah, because okay, 12, so like I was like... I beginning mean, was, of middle school, end of yeah. elementary school, kind of? 12 was like... Every, nobody was like branching really out yet. Right. And we went... To, me and Matt went to a private Christian school. And oh. so there wasn't that many kids in the class. Yeah. So like there wasn't as much like diversity, I guess, in height. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... But it was around 13 or 14 I started noticing it. Um, especially when I made friends with a bunch of kids at the public school. Yeah, um, that were tall. By my house. Yeah, there was just a lot more tall people. Right. And I was like, holy shit, I'm I'm really short. Like, I didn't care about being <laughs> tiny. I was just like, I'm short. I don't want to yeah. be short forever. Right. Um, what, did it ever affect you in any way? Was there ever a time where somebody was like... Made funny for being short, or there was a girl well, that you was like, oh, I don't want to date the short guy. Or it something. was on the flip side of it. When yeah. I finally got taller than other people, I got yeah. way too much confidence with it, mm. and I started thinking that I was way tougher and stronger than I actually was, gotcha. which I wasn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I wasn't at all. Um, yeah, that was. It's so interesting how like that perspective of it, yeah. as like especially as like an adolescent where you just yeah. don't really know much yet. Yeah, you haven't totally. lived enough life to experience it. Um, and how like the, like just my height was like a whole development part of my psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, do you remember a person that was like the tall person that you're like, man, that guy, Kyle, he's so <laughs> cool. Cause he's six feet already. I mean, Matt, you were always tall, right? Yeah. Matt was always tall. Um, no, actually I think that was mainly it. Matt was tall. <laughs> Matt was tall and went through puberty before me, so Matt was like had all the girlfriends. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think like just a majority of people were taller than me. Yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, <laughs> I never grew, so you got lucky. You got, you got out of that. You got out of that range. You got into the six foot range. Good job for you. <laughs> Yeah, vertically, vertically inclined. I I don't I don't really have like this 
overarching. What is story. what does the word vertical make you think of? Maybe when when vertical. When I think of the word vertical, because I was contemplating that word a lot while I was listening to Garrett talk. Um, there is the vertical phase of a turn, and um, I, I'm a teacher. I'm an instructor. That's what I do for money. I uh, teach people how to snowboard, and now I own my own surf school. So I right. teach people now how to surf. And uh, we go from control phases of a turn to the vertical phase of a turn. Okay. We also talk about the vertical uh, phase of the wave and when you can use the vertical phase to control your speed into the bottom turn of a wave. The, the biggest part about the vertical phase is trusting yourself. And so I see... Um, hundreds and hundreds of people who don't believe that they have the confidence to release their edge or to drop down onto the face of the wave because they don't want to have that almost free fall. Uh, And the other word that came to mind was when Garrett got really pumped on becoming a skydive instructor, um, I mean, becoming a a free solo right now, and he's going on to get his accreditation and all that, but it's a very long process. Long story short is, is that when he first did that, um, I was like, I got to go skydiving with him. Like, if this is his kick right now, I'm not going to not do this at least once. And that was when when we popped out of the plane. I just, I told myself, this is just like going into the free fall in the vertical phase of a turn and releasing that edge. And it just, that is a crazy feeling to be in the air and you're in this just free fall. Mm-hmm. And I think that to have a little bit of trust in yourself is like, what vertical means. I know I just keep on coming up with this philosophical (laughs) side of every answer, but (laughs) seriously, seriously, lady, you need to turn your board forward and go into the vertical phase because there's two control phases. You're right. Toe side control, vertical phase, heel side control. And if you can't go to your vertical phase, I can't teach you the other edge. So has that happened where you can't, Yes, yes. You've, have you had to deal with a, a specific person before where it was like, or a breakthrough? Did you have a breakthrough with somebody where you're like, hey, this is what you need to do, and they figured it out after they're having difficulty with it? Yeah, every relationship I've been in. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I could say is uh, we, we are in the control phase, and we don't trust the vertical phase. Um, it's, I'm really, uh, gifted. Oh, so you're going real metaphorical. With yeah. This yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really gifted to have found some people that, uh, wanted to stay in the control phase and yeah. now we're in the vertical phase, just enjoying the free fall, such as Garrett. Um, <laughs> I had uh, one of, um, uh, one of these friends of mine that we labeled ourselves as partners for a while. Yeah. And she'll Part- get partners was the label. Yeah. So yeah, not boyfriend, yeah. girlfriend. Or no, it was boyfriend, girlfriend. Oh, so you but did go that far. Yeah. Yeah. We went all the way. You went title. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> I, but I wish, <laughs> I wish I could take all those titles back <laughs> and just be like, no, you are just you. <laughs> and, uh, so it was interesting because, um, she moved up to the mountains with me. Right. She'll get a kick out of this if she's listening. But, um, she had, um, such a problem problem going into the vertical phase of a turn and it wasn't until we held hands and I started to snowboard with her. Oh, that's cute. So it ended up that she <laughs> actually that's adorable. She actually um, went snowboarding with one of my friends and he wouldn't help her and made her go into the vertical phase and she had a panic. Oh. And she ended up hurting herself really bad. So she like her tailbone. So she ended up only snowboarding with me 
in the dancing motion. Oh. So we were the cutest couple <laughs> on the mountain. No one understood that, like, at the time, I probably had to, like, smoke, like, three joints before I went in order to get through that anxiety yeah. of making sure that I had the patience to hold her every single turn. Because it's a lot of body weight to put on your edge and to make that person trust you. But she she was a great snowboarder. Right. If she would have ever let go of my hand, she would have been completing her turns just like an angel. Gotcha. And... um, you know, so you're, but you're, you're saying that you can apply this concept to like a relationship also. What, what do you consider it like, uh, the control phase versus the vertical phase of a relationship? Uh, well, the, the key to understanding relationships has not been on my key ring, ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I really think it's when you trust yourself enough to know that whatever that person is going to do and whatever they're going to say is just their own stuff to not to get getting back to the not taking it personally to let that person be them mm-hmm. is to get into the vertical phase gotcha. to let them express themselves to gotcha. let them give you feedback so you basically to, get to a point where you lose control and you trust that they're going to stick around despite whatever thing they they're still their own person basically yeah and and surrender the control that maybe you're forcing on yourself to have in that relationship Mm -hmm. because a lot of times i change everything about myself in previous relationships and now it's like if if you're gonna hang out with me you're gonna get the full matthew because (laughs) i'm I'm trying to live life in the vertical phase Uh, not to say that it couldn't be taken away from me at moments notice so i have to remind myself hey stay in that vertical phase i really like this i might even write a little bit of a blog on right my, on the on, concept of being a vertical yeah, yeah yeah and just letting that letting that um relationship gain momentum by right. surrendering control right okay this so this is this makes me think vertical this is going to be my story so after um after I graduated from high school, I went through like a period of time where I was like super depressed. So like as soon as like I got out into the real world, I started like wanting to do like as many things as I could do, like learn new stuff and do as much stuff as I can do. Because I was like, I was always, I felt like I was such a loser in high school that I'm like, I want to learn all these new skills and I'm going to do all this stuff. So like after, um, after I graduated, I started doing, well, during high school, I started doing like Muay Thai. After I graduated, I started doing jujitsu. I started doing yoga. I started, me and my wife went to this place and we signed up for rock climbing. And uh, so we were rock climbing at this place with, I would have the harnesses and stuff like that. So, um, and you know, you got to like hold the person down so that they don't yeah. like eat shit when they fall uh-huh. or whatever. So we're doing that. And it was like, uh, you know, we, 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 I wanted to go all in. So we used like our our school we our FAFSA money to pay for like a year membership to this rock climbing place because I was like committed. Use, uh, government money. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I was like committed. I'm gonna fucking get good at rock climbing. I'm gonna do this. And so I think we were there for maybe like a month, and d- like right during that time, my wife found out that she had this thing called polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm-hmm. which could uh, make it difficult yeah. for you to have kids. Okay. And so because of that, she was like, I am like terrified of this. I really want to start trying to have kids now Yeah. because I might not be able to. 
And I'm like, shit, like, this is like the war. We just signed Since up for this rock climbing place. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just signed up for this rock climbing. You're not going to be able to rock climb when you're pregnant. Like, this is like a, this is a bad time. So, and I, I mean, now that was just like one thing. Obviously, yeah. there's a bunch of stuff. I always wanted to have kids, but this just got, got sprung on me because of her existential panic because she got diagnosed with something. So now yeah. she's freaking out. And <laughs> so, like, I'm just thinking about, like, shit, we're not going to be able to rock climb anymore. We're doing all this stuff. I'm just getting into jujitsu and all this stuff, and we're not going to be able to do any of those things because you're going to be pregnant. And, like, not that I don't think that's a good thing because, I, like I said, I always wanted kids. Yeah. But, you know, it's, like, such weird, terrible timing. But she's like, no, this, this, this has to happen now. And we're at my sister's house one day, and she, I'm, like, I'm still on the fence. And she's just, like, telling my sister about, like, how sad she is that she might not be able to have kids and this and that. And my mom's there. And my sister starts crying because she feels so bad for my wife because she might not be able to have kids. And so, like, they they, they hurt my mom and my sister and her basically guilted me into, <laughs> into getting her pregnant. And that's how the whole thing went down. Did she get pregnant? <laughs> she got pregnant. Really? Yeah. It was, uh, it, we, we decided it was like, oh, whatever, we'll start trying because mm-hmm. it could take. It, it could take it a was while. Right it could away, take, wasn't it, it was like a month. <laughs> yep. It was like a couple of weeks, and she got pregnant. So yeah, it, got, it happened quick. So they were planned, but it was also a surprise plan. <laughs> it's a surprise plan. Yeah, yeah. It was a surprise plan. It worked out. But how many like, kids do you have? I have two. They have twins. Ooh. Yeah. How so fun. I got boy girl, and it, it's awesome. I love them. They're the best thing ever. It was a great decision. So I'm glad I, you know, I, I lost all that money rock climbing, but. <laughs> But that's all right. You got twins out. It of worked it. out. Yeah, it all worked yeah. out in the end. Yeah, it was in the terms and conditions. I was too. I was, and that, going back to this thing, I was worried about this fucking carrot cake when it was like a brownie over here. Yeah. And the kids, the kids, the, <laughs> the kids were the brownie. That was a staple for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. glad that I think we're getting to that time right now, and I'm glad we were able to bring that whole thing full circle. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be it for this episode. Do you guys have uh, one more time something you want to plug? Do you have anything else besides your recent group or anything like that? Um, not that I can think of other than who's ever listening, get creative and don't worry about what people think or say. Yeah. As long as you believe in it, then put it out there. Do I have any social media you want to plug or anything like that? Uh, you can follow my personal account at, at Garrett Rutz. Right. Uh, if you want to see pictures of me being a dad. Oh, yeah. you're a dad too. I am, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-R-U-T-Z. That's my handle, as yeah. the uh, kids say. Uh, I don't know if it slaps, but it uh, it's certainly interesting. <laughs> what about you? Um, yes, I always want to plug away at my plugs. Right. Um, I used to stretch my ears. Uh, I, I, <laughs> 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 I did not get that at first. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just want to shout out to, um, uh, the Nativo project that Eddie Lazaga is, um, Lazaga is, uh, promoting down in Tijuana. Right. This is a, a program that uh, helps provide eight ther- art therapy to mm-hmm. endangered kids in vulnerable communities that are affected by the cartel presence that um, rules the government in Mexico. Um, it's a really easy thing to uh, just throw some um, donations his way mm-hmm. that are going to provide him the resources to um, minister these kids through 
to art therapy, right. to show them the divinity inside themselves of being creative. Oceanside Surf School, we uh, promote a lesson that is um, empowering and trying to get you to the confidence of learning how to surf on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not just pushing you into waves. I'm teaching you um, conceptual basis mm-hmm. of the ocean. And I believe that I've developed those tools to provide a really good, strong, affordable surf lesson. Yeah. And um, yeah, honestly, I love uh, to promote everything on Instagram. Uh, it's Matthew, M-A-T-T-H-E-W underscore berries, B-E-R-R-Y-S. Um, there, that'll link you up to all my other social media. Anything with Oceanside Records that's coming up is going to be also really fun and groovy. If there's any artists that want to reach out, I really believe in the follow, follow back. And mm-hmm. then we can both kind of understand some common bla- playing fields, such as the way that this podcast happened tonight <laughs> yes yeah Beautiful. thanks for having us david of this course has thank you so much so much fun to Appreciate uh it. talk to you and to uh not only that this was really therapeutic it was very therapeutic yeah i was gonna say like all puns aside this this is actually some good therapy <laughs> i feel great <laughs> like i got my message out like david to Beyond the Donut. <laughs> yeah, Beyond the Donut. Uh, it's a it's a YouTube series. Oh, and, okay. And uh, yeah, we uh, we kind of do what we did tonight, but with our structure is that there is no structure whatsoever. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> but oh, oh well, yeah. we did have donuts today. That's part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it was almost like a swap cast then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's little youtube interviews we've right. only got two up uh it's called beyond the donut it's also on the oceanside records hell yeah love it all right thank you so much thank you for listening Thanks, everybody David. see you next time <laughs> <laughs>